It's August 9th, 2021, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today in the show, what will Square's $29 billion move into the buy now, pay later space mean for the other players? Amazon's drone program seems to have crash landed. Amazon's advertising business may have more potential than the rest of its business combined. And finally, Shopify's recent earning call highlights the continued growth of the platform, but a few concerns as well. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Walmart to start selling enterprise software and Adobe Magento customers soon will be able to connect with its marketplace. There was an incredible amount of confusion in my network last week over some of the announcements made by Adobe and Walmart, so let me see if I can try and break it down. Last week, the companies announced two things. One, Adobe customers will be able to more easily send their product inventory into Walmart's marketplace, which is a growing online channel. Two, Walmart will start selling elements of its technology platform together with Adobe's commerce division. The technology appears to be related to store pickup functionality, something you would normally find in an order management system. On the surface, it sounds like a big deal. Walmart, Adobe Magento, big news. Except a few things were all wrong with the release. First, no one really understood it at all. I even heard that Walmart was going to be selling Adobe customers' marketplace software rather than access to its marketplace itself. Adobe's CEO didn't make the situation any better with its buzzword salad interview he had. Second, this partnership is not exclusive. Walmart offers every platform access to its platform, including Shopify and Big Commerce, which both already announced this in the past year. Third, Walmart has never actually created enterprise software before. Even by itself, that means you could take this release with a giant grain of salt. Who will market and sell the software? How is this a match for Adobe's SMB and mid-market Magento customers? How many retailers were quoted in the press release as beta testers? Not one. That is a critical point from my point of view because people want to know if the software is real. Another retailer testing it would build trust within a skeptical community. Fourth, the software won't even release this year. It's slated to be released early 2022. So why even announce it now? Simple. Adobe and Walmart are both trying to gather attention. And Adobe, I feel, is more than Walmart is being squeezed by Shopify, Big Commerce, and all these new headless e-commerce startups. If you ask me, we could be seeing the death rattle of Magento in the market altogether if this keeps up. Our second story, what will Square's $29 billion acquisition of Afterpay mean for its competition? The buy now, pay later market is ridiculously hot right now. Let me catch you up on what's been going on this year before I get into Square. Buy now, pay later is a technology that allows buyers to pay in split installments, which often has the effect of raising conversion, average order values, and repeat consumer purchases for merchants that adopt it. It's no accident why it appears on almost every website these days. It's quickly become table stakes. In January this year, Shopify cashed in to the tune of $2 billion on the Affirm IPO and put its thumb on the scale of its own ecosystem. Just last week, platform competitor BigCommerce decided on the company Sezzle, S-E-Z-Z-L-E, as its preferred buy now, pay later partner, going the more traditional platform route of not anointing an exclusive pick for its customers. BigCommerce and Shopify are taking two clearly different approaches to their partner networks. Square, however, has made the most waves with its massive $29 billion acquisition of Afterpay. You might say Square is the retail POS first digital technology firm of this generation, whereas Shopify might be seen as the e-commerce first provider. However, Square has long been a powerful payments company, 
as they were the first person to introduce the widespread ability to take credit card payments from any iPhone. Another X factor here is that both Afterpay and Klarna, one of its competitors, have become demand generation tools, successfully launching their own consumer shopping portals with promotions for its merchants. Whenever a provider can bring you new customers, that is always a positive. The biggest question I have about this acquisition is, how the hell did PayPal miss this? My own network is divided on this. Some say that PayPal already has this covered. Given the enormous merchant adoption of market leader Afterpay in the market, however, that's very much in doubt. PayPal has been aggressive on other acquisitions. It's possible Square just outbid them. I'm really not so sure. I see this just as a huge strategic mistake on PayPal's side. Over 15 years ago, for instance, eBay tried and miserably failed to build its own payment technology in-house to fight off PayPal itself. While PayPal already had financing technology in its platform, it's not as widely adopted as what Afterpay had. Is PayPal repeating eBay's old mistakes by thinking they already have this covered? Our third story, Amazon's drone program seems to have crash-landed. Coming in from the UK, a story from Wired talks about how Amazon has all but shuttered its infamous drone program. The story indicates that there's been a ridiculous amount of staff turnover, including over 100 people let go, which has led to misdirections and public failures. First thing first, anyone who could do simple math realizes that for a drone to carry any items of appreciable weight for a general purpose shipping carrier would have to be enormously heavy itself as a device, and as a result require an amazing amount of power. That is all very expensive. And that's before they start crashing into power lines and landing in backyard swimming pools, which every single home in Florida has. To be clear, I'm not really faulting Amazon for its crazy investments sometimes. These big swings are purposeful and actually needed. It needs billion-dollar failures to fuel the multi-billion-dollar successes. For every Fire Phone debacle and grounded drone, there is a Kindle, AWS, and an Alexa. Pretty great track record as long as that ratio keeps up. The question I have is really more for their competition. How dumb do Walmart and Kroger feel right now for following the Amazon hype and their own drone investments? Our fourth story, Amazon's advertising business has crazy potential. There are really two questions on my mind this morning in regards to Amazon's advertising on the heel of 84% growth in this division from its recent Q1 earnings report. The first, is Amazon's advertising the highest potential and highest valued business unit within Amazon going forward? The answer here is definitely yes. CNBC reports that that Amazon's ad revenue is now bigger than Twitter, Snap, Roku, and Pinterest combined. Their revenue just crossed $7 billion just in the first quarter of 2021 is on an almost doubling pace year over year. This makes it by far its fastest growing business. Second is, where could Amazon go next with this? And does Amazon advertising threaten the health of its own retail business? My short answer here is also yes. Anyone who's been on Amazon in the past two years realized that most of the search engine and now all product pages are now littered with ads for competitive products. This cannot keep up forever. Can you imagine if Amazon had its own first class search engine that would find product or any piece of product related content like guides and reviews across the web no matter where they were? It would threaten the very foundation of Google who has been worried about Amazon stealing share of its own product search and been unable to do anything about it for the past decade. As much as Google is a great company, they have really struggled to innovate unlike Amazon outside of their primary focus of business. Anyone remember Google 20% time, which was supposed to lead to out-of-the-box innovations? Me neither. So if you're Andy Jassy, the new CEO of Amazon, what are you thinking right about now? Ultimately, I think the answer is pretty simple. 
Nothing is off the table. Bring me bolder ideas that I have already seen from this group. While Amazon has Twitch, IMDb, video, music, and now even MGM potentially, the volume of consumer intent fueled by Google and Facebook dwarfs what Amazon is able to capture. Amazon needs more surface area to fuel its ad business, so look for them to continue to acquire media assets and any property with traffic and eyeballs. But it's this search engine idea I keep coming back to. Consumers typing in keywords is an endless source of revenue for the company in an ads business, and jamming those results into the traditional Amazon experience threatens not only the future of its advertising business, but its retail business as well. While this would require Amazon to likely develop general-purpose crawling technology for other websites, is there really any doubt that the company could pull this off? And our final story, Shopify's recent earnings call highlights the continued growth of the platform, but a few concerns as well. Last week, Shopify reported its Q1 earnings, which showed continued strong growth in their subscriptions business. And here are a few things that caught my eye beyond that. One, the growth of their shop app is up to 23 million monthly active users in the United States. Clearly, this indicates that the company views this as a strategic asset for repeat purchases, marketing, and retention of buyers going forward. This is something really unique to Shopify, and it's an interesting risk-reward question for them. The risk is that they don't want to get in the middle of the brand's own design customer experience. I don't predict this is going to be a major issue, ultimately, because Shopify will give brands the tools they need to customize how and when they appear in this app. The reward is much greater for Shopify. If Shopify has a unique group of buyers that are loyal to them, it makes it that much harder for a brand to leave. This increases their own retention and gives Shopify some control over the marketing efforts of their merchants, which is helpful in this SMB segment, as every Shopify store is not always optimized in their own marketing efforts. One concern I had coming out of the earnings is that their R&D spend is worrying and the retention of the staff. Over the past year, Shopify has turned over more than half of its very senior managers. This is a concerning fact for any company, much less one that's growing as fast as Shopify. Their Q1 earnings report indicated that R&D spending is 16% of revenue now and previously was 19% last year. For a growth company, which is much surface area Shopify is signed up for, from platform to fulfillment to payments to advertising, I really think that number is going in the wrong direction. I would love to see that number north of 20%. That's all for this week. Till next time. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our show is produced by Citizen Racecar. Alex Brower is the producer and also wrote our theme music. The executive producer is David Hoffman. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now to rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.